Hey everyone, it's Kat again, and welcome back to So Below, Healing Trauma with Respect to Our Duality. Today I want to go into the concept of identity. When I first started this podcast, I started talking about removing labels of good and bad and unlearning everything that we learned before and figuring out how we fit into the world as we are now, the person that we're becoming. And I want to go into that deeper with the concept of identity. Our identity is so wrapped up in our community, in the life that we've lived, and every single experience that we've had up until this point makes us who, all those things make us who we are. Part of our identity is part of where we come from. It's our hometown. It's our high school. It's the culture that we grew up in. It's our music taste. We identify with so many things that it's hard to understand how much of that is me and how much of that is the culture that I'm trying to be a part of. How much of that is other people that I'm trying to impress. I watched the movie Practical Magic last night with my kids, and there's a part in it where Sandra Bullock is talking to the sheriff guy, and she tells him, you know, she's holding his badge, and she says, you know, this is just a star. It doesn't actually have any power. It can't stop a criminal in its track, in its tracks. But essentially, the concept was it has authority because you give it to it. It's part of his identity, being a cop. You know, that was a part of who he was, and it made him have confidence in his abilities, and it gave him power and strength in a way that he could do the things that he needed to do to accomplish his job. It's easy to get wrapped up with identifying as something, as your job, as your friend group, as your music taste, as whatever it is that makes you who you are. You know, the college you attended, the the profession you went into, your future ambitions and goals, who you are as a person, so much of our identity can get wrapped up in that. So what happens when that thing gets taken away from you? What happens when you lose it? What happens when you lose a big part of your identity? How many of us have watched a family member suffer when they lost a part of who they were? I know with my experience with my ex, he lost custody of his children and then I lost him. He turned into a different person and he gave himself over to the devil. And that's what trauma does to us. It takes away a part of our identity. It takes away our childlike wonder. It takes away our innocence, our ability to see the world as it was before we were hurt. It takes away our ability to trust. It takes away our ability to be a trusting person, something we identified strongly with before our trauma. When our identity is tied up in so many external factors, it's really hard to separate the things in our life from ourself. The only surefire way to protect your identity is to actually know who you are deep down, at the very bottom of it all. Who are you without your family? Who are you without your community? Who are you without your job? Without your past? What are you left with if you were to wake up tomorrow with no memory of anything that happened in your life and have to start fresh? Who would you be? I've been reading this book called Consorting with Spirits by Jason Miller, and it's been a fascinating read. I mean, so much so I have two of his other books in my cart on Amazon right now. Um, But I was reading this, this chapter, and it was talking about a purification process. But I want to replace the word purification with identity right now. Um, And he says, another way to conceptualize identity is to think of yourself as a lake that is constantly agitated by storms and turbulence. You cannot see the bottom of the lake because there's dirt and such always being tossed about in the water. This agitation is just the cost of life and the way we live it. If we can somehow stop that agitation and still the water, the dirt settles and the water is revealed as inherently pure and clear. 
The turbulence is the mental, emotional, energetic, and physical turbulence of daily life. The clarity is the natural state. I think the most essential part of getting to the bottom of our identity is respecting who we are down to the cellular level. We're 70% water, and our emotional waters run deep. But water's inherently clear. It's our emotional turbulence that agitates the water and kicks things up and makes it so we can't see all the way to the bottom. And the way to clear the water is actually very simple. You just let it flow. When things come up, you address them. And no, that's not me giving blanket approval to explode on someone because you're having a bad day. The thing is, it's an opportunity to practice the pause, to take a minute and logically examine it from your perspective, from the other person's perspective, allowing yourself the opportunity to say, hey, I need a minute before I respond to this right now. Or taking a second to respond to that text so that you don't respond in anger. Allowing yourself to think things through gives yourself an opportunity to be in control of your emotions. When you're in control of your emotions, you're in control of your reactions, and then you're in control of the situation afterwards. You can't control other people's reactions, but you can control your own. And when you're in complete control of your own emotions, your waters are still. When you're at peace, you get this amazing opportunity where you can examine your life from different angles. You can take a moment and think about yourself as that amnesia victim, the person who wakes up with no memory. Who are you? It's a freeing concept if you really think about it. I'm going to nerd out on you for a minute and just a spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't watched the show Game of Thrones. Um, I'm going to talk about one of the characters on there who is just very well written. She's the youngest daughter of a nobleman and at the beginning of the show she was just a child, you know, this adorable little thing that reminded me of one of my little sisters who after a traumatic series of events um, ends up on the run. She befriends this assassin who gives her a coin and says if she ever makes it out to, you know, his nick of the woods, he'll he'll help her out basically, or that she, you know, that, that coin would give her passage if she ever wanted to learn to do what he did. Eventually she finds herself down in Bravos and she ends up at the temple of the God of death where she starts training to become a faceless man, which is this elite group of assassins that can get anywhere and become anyone because they can wear the faces of the people that have been sacrificed to the God of death. I love the brutality of it. It's great. But in order to become a faceless man, a girl must become no one. So he tries to teach her to strip herself of her identity. She's no longer Arya Stark. She's no longer who she was from before. You know, if you're no one, why are you wearing Arya Stark's clothes? Why are you carrying her sword? Why are you Arya if you're no one? And so she had to learn to become no one. And eventually uh, she fucked up and he punished her by making her go blind. And while she's out on, and homeless and while she's out on the street... This girl who hates her comes and kicks her ass every day. And then she finally gets to, to a, a point where she's trained enough that she has figured out how to stop the girl from attacking her constantly. And she gets to a point where when the man comes and asks her who she is, he believes that she's truly no one. And so she gets to go and start training to become a faceless man assassin. And um, in the process, she ends up seeing someone from her past who was a horrible piece of shit, a nasty pedophile. And she kills him instead of the person she's supposed to kill. And she ends up making a choice. And in the end, she learned to become no one, but she claimed herself. She claimed to be Arya Stark of Winterfell. And then she went on to become this great hero. And it was because she had gone through the process of taking away everything that she was before and stripping herself down to the bare minimum 
a blind homeless girl getting her ass kicked every single day by this girl just beating her in the face with a stick over and over and over again. And then finally she gets back on her feet and in the end she claims herself. And that's the process that we need to go through in order to become who we're supposed to be. We need to strip ourselves down to nothing. We need to become no one in order to figure out exactly who we are and claim the power of the person that we're supposed to be. There is a deep power inside of us as long as we're willing to grab it. And you have to clear the waters in order to find that person. Best part about it was, even when she claimed herself again, she still had the ability of the faceless man to be able to wear the faces of her victims. She still was able to take that ability with her. And what I mean by wearing the face of her victims, I mean, we're allowed to try on different things and see if they fit us. We can look at a new activity and say, oh, that looks fun, but choose not to do it because how would we look doing that at our age? Or what would people think if I actually went through with it? I know after leaving the church, I struggled for a long time, but I remember when I got my first tattoo. Anytime I was around anybody who I knew was LDS and from my past, I would kind of try to hide it or, you know, I wouldn't, you know, show it off or whatever. I, I would try to avoid the topic of it because I knew I was getting judged and I could see it in their eyes and it hurt a lot of the times. But the thing is, I love my tattoos, every single one of them. They all have deep meanings for me. And not everybody has tattoos for the same reasons I do. And then not everyone has deep, meaningful symbolism behind each and every tattoo. Some people just get them because they like them. And that's okay. It doesn't matter what other people think about how we feel. If we enjoy getting something on our body, that's our prerogative, right? That's the thing that we're allowed to do. There was a whole war in heaven fought so that we could have the right to choose. Slipping out of our own skin and into someone else's allows us to explore different facets of our personality that we may not have known were there before. Allowing ourselves to explore parts of ourselves that we've been afraid to address gives us an opportunity to see things from another perspective, gives us an opportunity to see if this is something that we actually like. You never know if something that you've been afraid to try before is the thing that's going to make you feel alive again. Giving yourself the opportunity to try new things, to experience new things, and to step out of your comfort zone regardless of what somebody else thinks of it, gives you an opportunity to figure out who you really want to be. Because you never know unless you try. Complacency is the enemy of progress. The minute you sit in your comfort zone, you're not going anywhere. You're not pushing forward. You're not driving anything for your future. Growing up, there was a lady down the street named Jane Petty. And she was an older woman, and she was so fit. She was always out walking everywhere. She was always in a great mood, always so happy. And, I mean, she was in an old lady breakdancing group and was on Jay Leno and did the splits, and he picked her up. And it was this amazing thing. And I asked her what her secret was, and she goes, I walk everywhere, and I'm happy. But the thing is, she was fearless. She wasn't afraid to try new things. I remember her coming up to my brother and asking her to, him to teach her how to spin on her back so that she could do better dance moves for her old lady dance group. Like, she wasn't afraid to try something new at her age. Anybody would look at her and say, you are pushing 90. Why are you trying to spin on your back? And she says, because I feel like it. And she didn't let anyone stop her. And it's that kind of fearlessness that we all need to develop inside of us. We have to be... A, unafraid of stepping out of our comfort zone and trying something that might make us look a little ridiculous. Yeah, maybe I'll look a little stupid trying to throw a pot, but maybe I'll be really good at it. 
maybe the picture I draw won't look anything like what I thought it was, but maybe I'll be really good at it. You never know what you're going to be good at until you try it. For, for all you know, you might be good at throat singing or you might be good at you know, something that you never even would have imagined trying before because you were letting the opinions of other people hold you back. You have to put every single thing that you want to try, every new idea that comes to you, put it through the eyes of one filter. How do I feel about it? Fuck everybody else's feelings. Does it sound like something I want to do? Is it something worthwhile to me? And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. All that matters is, is this something that might bring you joy? And if it is, why not give it a try? Slip on that face and see if it fits because you never know if you're going to find the thing that is your thing, that makes you the person that you want to be. And you never know how many of those things that you have out there. Life is full of so many opportunities, full of passion, full of ambition, full of adventure. There are so many opportunities out there that don't cost a dime. You just have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. And sometimes that means you're not good at something, but you still enjoy it. So who cares if you're good at it? Do it anyways. Do it badly. Who cares if you're a terrible dancer? If dancing makes you feel great, dance anyways. Who cares if you're not great at drawing? If it makes you happy to draw, draw anyways. Nobody should tell you what is good and what is bad except for you. If it makes you happy, it's good. Whether you're objectively good at it is neither here nor there. What matters is if it makes you feel like you. Is it something that makes you feel connected to the person you're supposed to be? Is it driving you towards your future goals? So how can having silly hobbies like throat singing and art or riding a unicycle or juggling, how can those things help you with your goals of becoming a CEO or becoming a doctor or becoming what you want to become professionally? Well, the answer is clear for that too. It's your time to decompress. Our life at work is so much of the time under a pressure cooker. You need to be able to release that pressure and you need to be able to release it in something that's going to bring you pure joy. So the things you surround yourself with in the home around you and in your day-to-day life should be things that bring you joy. If you're constantly filling your time with things that you don't necessarily want to do, but you feel like you have to do because it's what everybody else is doing, it's not going to give you any kind of fulfillment. Finding things to fill your time that bring you fulfillment and that give you a drive to continue your day the next day and that push you forward and give you something to look forward to at the end of the day. That's how we find who we are is when we find the things that we look forward to. When we find ways to seek out new things to look forward to, it gives us a constant sense of wonderment. The only thing in this world that's constant is change. Embracing that by accepting new things and trying new things and pushing yourself forward and trying on different faces allows you to accept the constant chaotic nature of change around you and make it your bitch. I once heard the only thing you should stop wearing after the age of 30 is the weight of other people's expectations. And honestly, to me, that is one of the most poignant things I've heard in a really long time because The minute you remove the weight of other people's expectations, it gives you permission to live unapologetically as yourself. You don't have to apologize for being who you are. You don't owe anyone an explanation for why you like the things you like. Who cares if you're a grown-up who has childish hobbies? You were probably a child who didn't get to be a child. So now when you have the opportunity, you get to be that person now. 
And you know what? Who cares if somebody else thinks your hobby is childlike? It doesn't matter. We're supposed to learn how to embrace our inner child all over again. If you love Star Wars and Star Trek and going to those conventions and doing cosplay, good on you. Do it. If it makes you feel good to go and, you know, wave a wand around saying Expelliarmus, do it. I do it all the time. And it cracks me up. I, in fact, I had a little water gun and I would spray my dog and go Expelliarmus and he'd lose his shit. And it was so funny to me. And I, I crack up laughing at myself all the time because I think I'm so damn funny. But it's nerdy as fuck. But I don't care. I don't owe anyone an explanation for my hobbies, for my choices, for the things that I enjoy. I don't care that I'm a grown-ass woman who likes to read Harry Potter. I don't care that I'm a grown-ass woman who has made choices in my life to go out of my way to live in a fantasy world. Because it helps me escape the reality of what it is. No, I'm not running away into it, but I allow myself to get lost in the fantasy. I allow myself to get lost in the mysticism. Spirituality and, and feeling connected to nature and feeling connected to the world and around me and to energies around me is extremely important to me. And some people might look at me and say, I'm a child for believing in fairies. But to me, if it brings me peace, if it brings me solace, who fucking cares what anybody else thinks about how I feel? I'm allowed to identify with the things that make me feel whole. I'm allowed to connect with the things that turn me into who I want to be. Those things empower me, they embolden me, and they give me the strength to be the person I'm supposed to be. They give me the strength to stand up for myself in situations when I don't feel strong. It's the foundation of my boundaries that allows me to speak my mind when I'm feeling upset. It allows me to express my emotions as they arise instead of letting them fester under the surface and let them, letting them bother me. Because once you've done your shadow work and stripped away the toxicity from your life, and taking the time to build a foundation of who you are, nobody can take that from you. Your identity and your education are two things that no one can take from you. You have the ability to access any amount of information you want in your pocket right now. All you have to do is go out there and look for it. Stretch your mind, stretch your individual purpose, figure out who you are on the boundaries, on the, on the deepest levels. When we push the boundaries for ourselves, we know exactly where to hold firm for other people. We've always grown up knowing that knowledge is power, but there is no greater power than the knowledge of yourself. Understanding who you are and understanding your goals, understanding the things that make you you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the weird, the sensitive, the sensual, the fun and exciting, all of these parts make up the greater whole that you are. The failures that we've learned from, our weaknesses that we've learned to overcome, these are the things that become the building blocks of our personality and our individuality. Understanding that our identity is like our emotions. It's like water and it flows and changes constantly. It's like, you, it's like Pocahontas said, you can never step into the same river twice. You're never the same person every single day. Every day you get an opportunity to rewrite who you are, to grow and change and progress. Understanding who you are on the very core level is how you can decide which way you should go every morning. But the fact that you get to choose is an exciting prospect. The fact that you don't have to just be a survivor. You can be so much more than that. You can be the person who overcame everything. You really can be anything you want to be and build the life that you want to have. You're in control of your future. 
You just have to believe it. You have to believe it enough to take the time to put in the effort and figure out who you are. Strip away all of the agitation, all of the turbulence in your water and make your water still. Find your peace so you can find yourself. You're with one person every single day for your entire life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's you. So make sure that you're somebody that you like.